This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Startup Clinic. So we're doing things a little bit different today in terms of Startup Clinic. We are going to introduce our first guest. Maz Sheikh is the co-founder and CEO of Stars Play. Maz, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Natalie. So if people um, are wondering what Stars Play is, most people are familiar, but just a brief outline of, of who you guys are, what you do. So we're a Dubai-based uh, company. We, uh, we provide streaming, uh, online streaming content, uh, TV shows, movies, uh, series, Hollywood, Arabic, uh, Bollywood and French content in 21 countries across Middle East and uh, also in Pakistan. Amazing. And we're also joined by William Malali, who's a writer and film critic. I guess you're our resident TV and movie expert here at Dubai Eye. Quite literally. I live here. Yeah, I know. I have you're a never co- out of, in a closet in the back. You're bed. never out of the office. Um, and I, I guess, William, we really wanted your opinion on sort of the scene here, the industry, because it's changing, not just here, but everywhere in the world. We, George and I were just talking a few minutes ago, and I said, do you still watch TV? And he said, mm, not Really? And I guess, William, we'll start with you. Do you think people have really changed their viewing habits quite recently? I think people are watching more than ever before. They're just not doing it in the same traditional ways. Like if you look, I mean, the streaming companies are a great example of that. I mean, if you look at just traffic numbers, for example, in Saudi, which is yeah. you know, the most populous country in the region, Stars Play is one of the top, just in terms of how much people are, you know, watching content. It's, I mean, if you want to talk to anyone, the main water cooler conversation is not movies. A lot of times, you know, if they're diehard football fans, sure, it's sports here and there. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically, what are you streaming right now? Like, what are you watching? What, what's the big series? Show? What series are you? What are you watching? binging? Yeah. Yeah. For sure, exactly. because people just sit there for hours yeah. and watch an entire show. This this series phenomenon is just it's it's crazy because I think it's been around what seven eight years. It's it's nothing new because it's shows that we used to watch on TV. But the pleasure of being able to yeah. watch a show from from the first episode to the last one in one sitting or one binge sitting of a weekend changes everything. It's I mean, right. before. You, you wouldn't say, hey, did you watch the, the, the Friends series or did you watch the Seinfeld series? <laughs> no, it's like, have you seen Friends or Seinfeld this week, right? Yeah. And it's like, if you don't have the time to follow up every week, you won't follow yeah. the show and you won't be stuck to it. But the, the amount of series that I've watched, and I'm, I, no problem admitting this, binged watched in one weekend it's just crazy right it's just crazy and this is something that's absolutely new phenomenon right well the so there there are two there are two uh, phenomenon coming together same time right mm. so you george you mentioned the the idea of premium television or premium series that actually started with hbo when they first mm. produce uh, Sopranos. My favorite series ever, by the way. <laughs> it still way. is. Yeah. A lot of people love Sopranos. Yeah. And, and Sopranos and shows like Sex and the City, that really set the, the, the trend for content, uh, for premium content. And since then, Showtime and Stars, they all jumped into it and they've produced premium shows. And then eventually you have shows like you know, Game of Thrones and Vikings. That's what's really defined that uh, premium television. And then on top of that, you have the idea of being able to watch on whatever screen at whatever time you want, and you can truly binge watch it. So I think it's that combination of premium shows as well as the convenience. Accessibility, yeah. Accessibility that have come together. Uh, And especially in this part of the world where you have a very young population, Mm. uh, it just feeds it on itself. And, And William, would you say, you know, there's a problem in terms of how little people watch traditional forms of TV here in the region, or is it just kind of a case of, you know, adapt or die? I think it, it depends on who you're saying is it, is it a problem for. It's not yeah. a problem for the viewers, um, but whenever there's disruption, things get disrupted. You know, traditional players fall out. I think a lot of the biggest TV stations and you know TV providers 
have caught up. You know, NBC just launched it, uh, relaunched its streaming service. Um, Arabic TV still gets you know really solid numbers, numbers. across the region, um, but other players, you know, OTT or over the top services such as you know OSN are, are struggling a bit more um, to try to keep up, and they're constantly launching new things and. It's, um, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, Maz, this is music to your ears. People want to watch things on the go. Um, they want to watch it on their TV t- together, but they also want to take their tablet. They want to use their phone. And things are changing. I guess for you, you, you got into this business at the right time. Um, have you seen things change even at Stars Play? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I think when we first got started, and, and this is perhaps relevant for all the you know aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, you, you get a lot of, well, this region is not ready when we were first getting started. The infrastructure isn't there. The broadband isn't quite there. People aren't willing to pay for this online. And what you realize as you start this journey is that uh, the, uh, the consumer was ready. It was just that the industry wasn't ready to deliver and make that, make that shift. But once we did that, once we launched the company, the first, I would say, couple of years were extremely hard. For us, the shift came when Netflix decided to launch in the region because that just brought tons of awareness uh, and a marketing power that we as a small company never had. So so sometimes I think having a global player behind it uh, just builds that awareness. And same thing happened in this region is when Netflix entered this, this market, you had uh, growing awareness and, you know, we, we noticed within weeks our online organic and direct traffic doubled, tripled. Really? It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, Maz, because my question was going to be, you know, we were talking about Brad before, about don't be afraid if you have an idea and, and you know, it has, doesn't have to be an, a ground shaking or ground shattering right. idea. How do you work the guts uh, as an entrepreneur to say, you know what? I'm going to provide a product which is which in, which a global uh, global provider like Netflix or like uh, HBO is providing, and I'm going to do well at it. And you know what? I'm a local player. I'm going to grow this thing, and I'm going to go head to head with them. I'm not sure if the business is really head to head, but what I want to know is how do you work up the guts to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I have a lot of people that walk into our office today and say, I want to be the next Amazon. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. I want to be the next Amazon. And you'd be surprised how many people want to be the next Amazon. So where do you get that? Uh, I'm not going to say self-confidence. Obviously, every entrepreneur needs self-confidence. But where do you get that belief that, listen, I'm going to, I can do this. I can become a regional Netflix. I can become... I don't know if that's your aspiration right. or not, bigger than Netflix uh, regionally. Where do you get that inspiration from? So I, I think for uh, each one of us is you know different. So every entrepreneur uh, who's starting on this journey will have a slightly different motivation uh, and, and slight, slightly different sources of that confidence. But I think for myself and my colleagues that started this company, we, we were coming from the industry, right? I, I had been, I'd worked several years in the industry here and, and previously in US. So we knew the ins and outs and, and we were confident that we saw that opportunity based on our, you know, uh, you know I'd worked in the industry almost 25 years. So I, I had a sense that I'd seen these shifts before. So I, I, to me, it's always, you know, if you can look for parallels. So if you... If, if you go back in time when uh, the broadband industry, you know, because uh, you used to have dial-up internet access. <laughs> <and> that, <laughs> exactly. 
And when, when the broadband started to uh, uh, be rolled out in Europe and US, it wasn't the incumbent telcos that did it. It was, it was the new startups that brought that broadband services to the, to the market. And, and it took only two or three years to get disrupted. And I, I see a similar phenomenon uh, that was happening here where the incumbents weren't going to uh, bring that change. And so, like you said, George, it, it wasn't the, the craziest, most innovative idea, but we saw it being successful in U.S. and Europe, and we said, okay, we can localize it and make it successful here. But I think our biggest source of confidence was the fact that we were in the industry and, and we'd seen this happen before. That's interesting. How, at the start, when you're a new company and you're saying, yep, we're a new subscription video-on-demand company, we're based in the UAE, can we have all your best titles? Were they just like slamming the door, putting the phone down? What was the, what was the situation like at the beginning? Sure. So uh, I think this is where uh, having been in the industry uh, and having that experience helped us because we, we looked for opportunities where that content wasn't being aired on on um, uh, the current broadcasters, so be it OSN or NBC. Yeah. So first we looked for shows that weren't airing on those, uh, on those networks, but nice. could still work on our platform. That was number one. Second, we, we created windows of, uh, uh, for, for the studios. So say you're Disney, you're licensing your show to OSN, it stays on OSN for 12 months. We started taking it after that 12 month period. And we started making box sets available rather than, you know, having each episode on a weekly basis. Which is a big plus. Huh? I, mean, I mean, I prefer to watch box sets rather than watch episode by episode. Right. So some of these things weren't defined back then. So we're talking, you know, five years ago. So yeah. th these, th these elements of these ways of monetizing the content weren't available to the studios back then. So they were willing to work with, uh, with a new player. I think that's one. Secondly, um, you know, the studios also look at the management team and, and the employees that are behind the company. And having that experienced team within the company that was dealing with the studios previously uh, gave us a lot of credibility. And, and the third element, uh, Natalie, is they, the studios want to make sure their content will be protected from security-wise you know, security encryption yeah. and whatnot. And they do their technology tests and we pass those. Uh, but I think it's really ultimately it boils down to, uh, you know, understanding the business and picking those shows where they will uh, they will license to you. And then, you know, when we first got started, we didn't have friends. And then you have to earn your stripes and then you start small and then they start giving you bigger and bigger shows. And since then, you know, we've been fortunate that we've uh, they've put, you know, more and more uh, shows on our service. And, and William, do you think, you know, something like Stars Play influences how we watch or do you think we, we sort of create an appetite for it and they fill the gap? I, I mean, I, th I think it goes both ways. And uh, the distribution process of it is also really, really fascinating because if you drop an entire season of something at once, that's not always the best way to do things. I mean, we've seen so many things pop up on Netflix and everybody's talking about them for a day and they're just gone. They've evaporated into the ether. Whereas if you look at, for example, every single... Pr the Mandalorian on Disney Plus has yet to mm. launch anywhere else in the world except the US. Yeah. But every single person you know has heard of Baby Yoda. Yeah. And a lot of that is due to the fact that show was coming out week to week and it just built its momentum more and more as that went on. And you guys have, for example, Power. And when right. Power was coming out, that was something week to week and it was, right. there's cliffhangers and there's right. conversation and 
That's there's, right. you know, a social reaction to it. So box sets, as much as we love to sit there and binge, they're not always the right choice. So it's, it can be tricky to, to balance that. I, right. have to, I have to say, William, I am a fan of having to wait. You know, if it's a really good show, so a couple of the shows that I like to watch, they release them week to week. And I think there's still that excitement. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Game of Thrones is a great example of that. I mean, the last season where everybody was just, yeah. you know, after after every episode, I'd know exactly what happened, to, you know, thanks to social media, which I didn't want to know. But I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Jon Snow is dead. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, so, so yeah, so I agree with you that it, it attracts a lot more buzz and a lot more noise if you're waiting for it week to week and it has more of a humph effect, you know, if you yeah. want. Right. So, so um, but that being said, people that are a bit busier or people that have, you know, that have very busy lives, uh, you know, prefer to sit down and watch the thing, you know, in, in two sittings or in three sittings. Yes, it's not as exciting and it doesn't, it doesn't create as much hype, but definitely I think that for the industry, you're, you know, it's, it's much better to release it week after week. And if that's the case, in that case, I'll just wait for it to be released completely before I start watching it. I suppose that. Right. Well, for uh, streaming companies like us, it has, it creates another uh, dilemma as well. And so, uh, for example, People who binge watch the most, uh, you know, for us are more likely to cancel and churn from the service. Uh, and so it's ca- counterintuitive, but yeah. we, our data shows us people who are watching box sets, you know, if they're going to watch 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy yeah. and they're getting through it, chances are that once they're done with Grey's Anatomy, they will cancel the service and then they'll come back when the next season of Grey's Anatomy comes back. Oh, okay. So right? people are following a particular show and they perhaps are there for the short term. Cheaper way of watching it, yeah. yeah. And and I guess, you know, you have international um, competition in the form of Netflix, um, Amazon Prime you can get um, on your TV here now, which didn't used to be the case. And then you have local competition, regional competition. How are you guys faring at Stars Play? So, uh, you know, different research analysts uh, have us uh, either number one or number two. Um, um, with Netflix. So one of the reports has us as number one against Netflix. Another report has us number two behind Netflix. Um, so we're definitely one of, the, one, of, one of the top services in the region. Our success to date has been, folk, has been primarily driven due to Hollywood content. Um, and, and, uh, but I think going forward for the next three to four years, that we have to expand our, our audience base and we have to do it on the basis of uh, Arabic content because that premium base of customers that, you know, million, million and a half customers that subscribed for Vikings or, or Friends, uh, that needs to grow. Mm. And, and in order to expand that, we're going to focus more on Arabic content going forward. And, and you mentioned Arabic content. How important is original content to you? It's it's extremely important for for most platforms, and it's but it's it's got a very delicate balance, you know, because it's a capital intensive, cost uh, high cost uh, uh, initiative. You do it too early, you burn through the money, and you fail, and you never get to prove your your pla- uh, yourself as a company. On the other hand, if you don't do it. Then, then you never are able to crack beyond a certain level as far as uh, you know a subscriber base or reach is concerned. So it's finding that balance is difficult uh, on when to do it. Uh, but at the same time, this part of the world, I think we are faced with another challenge, which is um, that the entire industry here, the value chain of content creation, Arabic content, was has been conditioned for the broadcasters. Yeah. And, and for a certain type of a family drama and a certain type of a, a comedy show. 
And this is what Netflix tried to do when they produced Jen. You know, it uh, there was a lot of backlash and it backfired in certain ways. But at the same time, they produced something that was completely different yeah. and pushed the envelope in lots of different ways. Um, but but I think there is an opportunity here to create premium Arabic content f- targeting the youth. Um, and and that's the gap that we're looking to fill. Maz, I've, I've, uh, I've asked myself this question many times, and I'm happy that we finally met so I can ask you that question. And I'm sure there's, there's a perfectly good answer to it. Today, if I'm if I'm a European living in the Gulf, why stars play and not Netflix? Sure. So, George, I, it comes down to shows. So, uh, what we are seeing more and more, uh, people are not loyal to brands. They they follow shows. So, for example, William mentioned uh, Power or uh, or uh, Big Bang Theory and Vikings, we have lots of shows and billions that are exclusively on. Two of my favorite, Billions and Power, love them both. (laughs) So so those those shows are exclusively on on Stars Play. And you look at, um, same thing with Wavo, right? uh, When Game of Thrones was on, that was the only place to, to watch. And so, uh, and and Netflix has its Stranger Things. And so, Billions was on Stars Play before it was on Netflix. Is that what you're trying to say? So, um, we have the latest seasons. Okay, and I Netflix see. gets it 18 months after oh, wow. we do. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So we we have the latest season. So when we were talking about the day and date releases. Yeah. So that's on our service. That by alone is worth it. I know. George and I, George and I are like, quick, get the subscription. Yeah. Now we can yeah, watch Billions. I'm, I'm a big fan of Axelrod myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all? Who is not a fan of yeah. that man? He's crazy. How sure are you? <laughs> how, how uncertain are you? <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. And I guess it, with the audience here, you're appealing to so many different markets. You know, you, you're from North America. I'm mm-hmm. from the UK. You have people from all over the world. And how do you manage to, to get that balance? I guess. And uh, that is exactly where we uh, are more successful against uh, the global platforms because the market here is very diverse and uh, UAE is very different from Saudi. Saudi is very different from Egypt or, or Morocco. And everything from social media to how you communicate with them online, the, the content that's made available needs to be localized and personalized. And this is where the the one common product that works across all countries is billion, shows like Billions and Power and Friends. And so we found that one common uh, uh, thread that works across all countries. And then we add on um, more personalized, more localized content for each market. So, for example, in Morocco, we make um, Power available in French. Friends is available in French. That's what I wanted to ask you. So do, you do you do Arabic subtitles, for example, and stuff like that, or no? Yes. So Arabic subtitles is is extremely important because that's uh, something you wouldn't find on any of the other places. Yeah. So we 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 make Arabic subtitles available uh, as well as uh, animated content, whether it's for kids or uh, or or just animated uh, movies. Uh, they're also available in uh, uh, dubbed Arabic language. And we also bring in, so for example, you were, you were talking about how you compete against Netflix. We have some of the biggest uh, anime, Japanese anime shows oh, really? in, uh, globally here on our, on our platform. I bet you're a fan of those, aren't you? <laughs> oh, for sure. You and, look and like you're a fan of those. <laughs> <laughs> in Saudi Arabia, they're uh, producing the, the first anime um, film that's yeah. in a co-production with Japan. 
And there's been a strong tradition of that a lot of it just because TV show or TV stations showed it here in the 80s and it just mm. built this huge yeah, fandom yeah. for it. So that's a way that you know platforms can end up shaping culture because now you know all these companies are reaping the benefits of just what happened to be cheap in the 80s instead yeah. of American content. Yeah. I, I just want, I just want to add one last thing. I okay. think I think that. Maz, you must be so sick of the word Netflix. <laughs> I just like the founders of Kareem must be so sick of the word Uber. Well, not anymore, but they must have been so sick. Because every time, I'm sure every time you tell people what you do, so, oh, you're like Netflix, right? You're, you're Netflix, you're this and that. So it must be very hard to keep that that identity or, or keep focused on your identity when you're, you're compared to Netflix all the time. Or, or yeah, that, that I industry. mean, it, it, as much as it hurts my feelings, I, I also realize that it's good company to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're being compared to Netflix, that's a very, very good thing. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we don't mind that at all. Good. We, we, would ju- we just prefer that we're better than Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, William, is, you, you know, your job is to watch TV, watch films. We're seeing a lot more original film content on these video on demand um, subscription services. Are you, do you think it's keeping people out of the cinemas as well? Or is it a kind of different experience? I think the cinema, it's changing people's expectations of what they go to the cinemas for. The okay. cinemas are becoming an event space. Yeah. And you know, that's where you're going to line up at midnight and you're going to go see Avengers. But maybe, you know, the sort of, you know, smaller films, boutique films, comedies, a lot of those are the things you're going to stay home for. And, yeah. you know, Netflix has conditioned people that, okay, on a Friday, a smaller sort of film might show up and you're just going to sit home and watch that. And that's just not the sort of film you're going to go pay sometimes up to 100 dirhams for. Um, yeah. Because you're going to, but you'll go and spend, you know, hundred dollars for you and your family to go see something on IMAX. Will cinemas one day move to a subscription model? No. Um, I do not think so. I just they, They've tried that a number of times. There's yeah. a company that just failed in the yeah. US called MoviePass. They, nobody's gotten it right yet. Um, people were taking massive advantage of it. And it was, it was glorious to be a movie fan in the US during that time. But Maz, Maz not start, as a start business cinema. <laughs> start cinema soon. No, I, I agree with William. Actually, the, the CEO of MoviePass, uh, Mitch, he, he was one of the co-founders of Netflix. And he tried to build this uh, subscription business for theaters. It just didn't work. But I think William makes another important point that you know, the, the the movie industry is also moving towards extremes where, you know, the extremely big blockbusters are what people are going to watch, True. you know. So True. unless it's a... Whereas when I, was, when I was a kid, we'd watch, you know, we'd, we'd try to watch anything that's watchable, basically. So, you know, we had, we had no other options. So we'll just go, okay, we'll watch that, you know, yeah. rom-com or whatever, because we've watched the other seven movies at, at Cineplex. So. I'm, I'm going to ask both of you the same question. Um, I'm going to start with you, Maz. I think, um, I don't want to give you too much time to think about it. Uh, do you think we're going to see the end of, of traditional TV in the way, you know, the channels operate, not just here, around the world? Do you think that is going to close at some point? I, I think... Traditional TV is going to stay, especially for sports and and news and and live events. Um, I think rest of it is going to have to they they have to adjust their business models for the long run. And and you're beginning to see that, especially OSN here in the region. They've made quite a few changes in last one year that I think are are the right changes they needed to make. So I think the the industry is going to have to adapt, but it's going to be scaled back quite a bit. And and what about you, William? You have less of a horse in this race. Do you think we're going to still see traditional TV? As long as it's able to fill certain gaps, you know, the, 
Arabic content, for example, is something that the other players are just starting to get on the ground for, but that's something that people are conditioned for. They know, you know, during Ramadan, they're going to sit there every single night and watch something with their family, and nobody's been able to fill that gap yet. So as long as they can provide something that no one else can, yes. But the second somebody else fills that gap and it becomes easier for them to access that than it is TV, then TV is going to have to find something else. Of course. Um, one final question for you, um, Max. When you were starting out, George asked you how you had the sort of belief that you had a great product. What advice or what do you wish you would have known back then? Because lots of people that listen to this show are thinking about starting um, a company. So what do you wish you would have known back when Stars Play was just a little idea? Um, one thing that always comes to my mind, and you were talking about belief and confidence and I and and. I personally think, reflecting on the last five years, as much as confidence and self-conviction is, is important, I think uh, having that humility to, to reflect on your mistakes, switch back, and then adjust, I think is extremely important as well. So as much as entrepreneurs need to believe in themselves and just be gung-ho about their ideas, as they start their journey, they also need to have the humility to be flexible as well. I think if there's one thing that we credit ourselves for being successful, it's the fact that we made lots of mistakes as we went, experimented a lot, tweaked things, and came back and adjusted, but never gave up. Okay, thank you so much for your time. William, final question for you, slightly on a different tangent, but we're talking about entertainment throughout the show today. And one of the things we're touching on is um, freelance working. And I know that's something you do a bit of everything. Do you feel like there's enough understanding? We're talking to a singer-songwriter later. Mm. Um, we're talking to people that work in comedy. Do you think in this region we're kind of doing well in terms of how we treat our freelancers and how we, we sort of see them as an additional benefit to the system here? Hmm. <laughs> do you have an hour? I think, yeah, I think that um, companies can always do better in how they treat their workers. And but I, I think that it's some freelancers face the same thing that businesses do. It's yeah. just it can be hard to get paid, man. Like yeah. people take forever. And it doesn't matter if you're a shipping company that's finding. You know, I was talking to someone who has a a concrete company, and they buy you know huge amounts of sand and things, and then they have to wait a year sometimes to get paid the no. you know the ten million on the back end once they've. Um, sold it. So it, I think it's hard for everybody. Um, but a company might be better suited for that than a dude living in a one-bedroom apartment with his cat. But it's the <laughs> and same problem. what a problems. beautiful cat it is, William. He is, yes. <laughs> um, thank you both so much for your time. That was the voice of William Malali there. He's a writer and film critic. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And thank, thank, thank you, you so much to Maz Sheikh, who's the co-founder and CEO of Stars Play. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Thank thanks you, for, thank thanks you for bringing new billions to us. That's George and I going to be like... What are you watching tonight? Billions, <laughs> for sure. Thank you Love so billions. much. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.